Welcome to Counterbalance Conversations, the program that enables and encourages you to make the changes you need to make a true difference in our world. Your host is Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Our hope is that by hearing from people who have stood out and made a positive change in their community, their lives, and their world, you'll feel the need to do the same. Now, here is Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Hello and welcome to Counterbalance Conversations. We have uh, this evening, we have Megan Bilnowski with us and she is going to talk to us about connecting to your creative geniusness. And Megan and I have worked together on numerous, numerous occasions and she has such a fantastic spirit about her. So let me tell you a little bit about her. So she loves being in the space of possibilities and um, she loves seeing other people succeed. And I've seen that in real life scenarios. She is 100% like the biggest cheerleader of the team. Um, She is a lifelong connector and trailblazer. And Megan has trained and traveled around the world. She's developed employees in countries such as Angola, Brazil, Dubai, India, Norway, Singapore, Scotland, Canada, and many other countries. So it's pretty, whew, that's a lot of traveling, Megan. <laughs> um, during her 11-year career, she's also um, done a variety of, or been with a variety of different industries, including IT, tech, HR, safety, sales, uh, leadership. She's um, DISC certified. And between traveling and training, Megan's passion is to change the world. Um, and she's working with the University of Houston as a mentor for HR students. She's a member of Texas Tech University's College of Business Speakers Bureau and a chair for the 2021 Association for Talent Development, or ATD Houston, uh, conference on a personal level she loves her husband family she has two crazy cats and they all keep her laughing all day long and she is one of the happiest people that I know I've worked with Megan um, in a corporate setting as well as off uh, you know in an off setting in a different consultant type capacity and we've also just started working together um, on doing some speaking things. So welcome, Megan. I'm so happy to have you on the show and welcome to Counterbalance Conversations. Thank you so much, Melissa. Wow. I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever had an introduction that was so personal. So thank you for welcoming me and for all those different things I've done. You know, I feel like the time has flown by and when you add it up into one paragraph like that, it does seem like a bit of uh, a lot of travel, like you said. <laughs> it is. It is. And we also I wanted to let you know and welcome you to uh, also our Facebook friends, because this is the first time on Counterbalance Conversations, we have actually been able to get the Facebook live stream going. So I think there's a little bit of a delay. So I hope we have the, a lot of people that are really enjoying our conversation and um are able to really engage with us. We're not going to be able to take questions from Facebook right now, but we will be able to 
um, kind of look at those later and you can maybe engage with the audience answering questions at a, a later time. Does yeah, that sound pretty good? Oh, yeah. I'm excited to have a good chat with you and just kind of open up my brain to see what you'd like to know about. I know. So you have so many things that that you've done and you do so many things, you know, international business, you do uh, leadership training, you've managed a manufacturing environment. And then the the most personal place that I have is you doing a lot of the team building exercises that were super creative and able to connect the, you know, the team members using your creative way. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your story? Because until we started preparing for this show, I didn't know a lot of the things that you did. So how about you just start off by telling us your story and then we'll just go from there. Okay. Sounds good to me. Well, I consider myself normal. I'll start there. And I know my, everyone has their own unique story. And so I'll, tell, I'll start by telling you a little bit about where I come from. So I was born in Lubbock, Texas, grew up in Houston, Texas, much different than the West Texas atmosphere. And really was involved in all kinds of sports growing up, but found my passion in my high school speech class. I actually had to do a presentation about your mask that you wear. And so the presentation was supposed to be one mask and you were supposed to talk about it for about 10 minutes. Well, I'm a little bit crafty. I inherited that from my parents. Both of them are very, very creative. And so I kind of made a mask that was six masks in one. And it was actually a big box that I did 3D about a foot large on each dimension. And so after I delivered my presentation about who I was with my six masks, I realized public speaking and helping people see the world in a different way was really what I'm here for. And so after I started doing that, uh, well, with public speaking, that is, I went off to college, got a degree in advertising, and really the creative part just always flows wherever and whenever you see things. And so, you know, if it's eating sushi and how that's put together and what it looks like, or if it's putting together an outfit for a presentation, you know, the creativity part, I think, just kind of naturally found me when I was coming into my own with my career as a training manager, talent development person, you know, take your pick. I think they change the titles all the time about org development (laughs) as well. So it's, yeah, it just was a great blend of public speaking, creativity, and then being able to work with people. Right. And so, especially when you're a training manager, you have so many hats that you wear. And I know that's not the only thing that you do, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. But I, you know, as a training person myself, you know, 25 years in the industry, it's, you have to get really creative when you have those groups that kind of, it's crickets when you're standing up there, they don't want to engage and they don't want to have that interactive conversation with you. And I think you have a unique unique way of using icebreakers. I know that you've brought some icebreakers into classes I've been in, um, like the um, 
the glasses. Let's talk about the glasses one and maybe the two that we've been in. So together. So let's talk about the peacock feathers and the glasses. So how did you use that to uh, engage some teams during this COVID pandemic? Well, you know, I think you, you added an important part at the end of the question there with the COVID pandemic. So prior to COVID, I've never really enjoyed virtual, but I love it now, now that we've learned how to pivot and adjust. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the two icebreakers that you're talking about, they are, the first one was a peacock feather to help people see uh, by balancing it on your finger. If you're more successful by staring just at your finger or at the top of the peacock feather, And I do that at the very beginning of any workshop because it grabs people's attention. It gets them thinking, and especially if it's early in the morning or after lunch. But by balancing the peacock feather on your finger, the point is, if you focus on the small picture, which is just looking at the tip of your finger, or if you look at the the broader picture of the peacock feather that's beautiful at the top, always, in every class I've done it for years, I've used this icebreaker since 2012, Every time when you look at the peacock feather, the whole classroom will be successful at balancing it. And that's because when you look at the small picture, which is your finger, you're not as successful as the, um, then if you look at the big picture at the top of the peacock feather. So that's a message that applies to the whole course of why people are there, but it's a creative perspective of getting them to think differently. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one you mentioned was the glasses. Yes. Well, this one, I think I have them still on my desk here. Actually, I taught a class today, and so I have them out. But essentially, in a virtual world, I thought, how do you adjust this personality assessment class? And really, you get this much, right? Just your picture from your shoulders up, and you have to engage someone in a different way. And so I have these set of glasses that I'll show here. If you're Facebook Live, can see them. But um, I put them on to help you see... The whole purpose of these is to see if they're your perspective in the world. You look through this lens in those glasses. So when I teach personality assessments or behavioral assessments, it's all about how does someone see the world and all of them see it through different lenses. Now, for those that are in the radio side of of the house, the glasses that she have has are different colors. So she has red, yellow, blue, green, and then you have one that's kind of a tie-dye, if I remember. Yeah, so so a rainbow color that allows different people to look at it through different lenses represented by the colors. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and it, it all stems from sitting back and thinking, what am I trying to portray in this message? And I was trying to help people understand, visually see that when they put glasses on, they see the world through a different lens. And so anyway, those are the two icebreakers you're talking about. And Mm -hmm. there's been a lot more. It just kind of pops up when when there's an opening. Right. And those two in particular, I was just I had participated in. So I I knew that there was you know, some significant messages in both of those that we could leverage during this conversation. And I think you said it really well with focusing on the small picture versus the big picture with the peacock feather. I think a lot of people are really learning to really have that more big picture view now that we're working solely in a virtual environment 
Is that your experience as well? I think so. Yes, for sure. And it, it applies to a lot of instances. For I've used it for seeing how an organization is shifting. The big picture is that it's more successful as a whole going a different direction or in a certain direction. I've used it before in high school classrooms when they're trying to figure out where to go for college. But -hmm. the small picture is right now it's a struggle, but the big picture at the top of the peacock feather is that you'll figure it out. So it's just a universal message that it can be applied to a lot. Yeah. So um, how did you, you know, become interested in specifically the creativity part? I know we've talked about how you became interested in Uh, being a speaker and being a trainer, but specifically the creative piece, what really kind of flipped your trigger, got you jazzed in that? Well, as with anything, I believe that what's meant for you will not miss you, regardless of the situation or how many times you may not, you know, be aware of what you're supposed to find. I think in the end, it definitely finds you. And I am an artist by nature, so the creativity piece seems to always have been in the background for me. And so I think it's a piece of seeing the world a certain way means there's not one right way to do anything. And the creative part that I've noticed when I was globally traveling, man, there are some amazing cultures doing very different ways of cooking or very different ways of celebrating a birthday. You know, if if you sit back and look at it, there's this creative streak everywhere, this unique ability for people to do things differently. And so I think you combine that with my training background and how how I like to listen to what people think about and what they bring to the table. Uh, But, you know, it was a combination of a kind of who I am, how I didn't miss what was meant for me. Right. Right. And, and I absolutely believe that same, that same thing, because as you move through kind of life, we all have those different phases and different careers and different ways that, you know, sometimes we have to pivot like we did with COVID or pivot because we um, maybe want to do a life change like I did back in June, where I completely changed um, just about everything in my life. And you know, now I'm doing something creative with this show and creative with coaching and helping people kind of move through that. But, you know, you have found a way to meld creativity, corporate environment, working with ATD, which you're speaking there and you're chairing the conference, correct? In Houston, did that open up as far as the, um, the registration? Has that opened yet? It has. There's actually early bird registration through September 14th, and it's the beauty of virtual, right? Anyone around the world can log in and register for the conference and be a part of what we have that day. Some of our speakers are from companies that you may recognize, like Luby's and Sparity, one of the top companies in Houston to work for. We also have other companies that are, you know, bringing in experience from University of Houston, main campus, academia. What does the future of work look like? And so our theme for this conference is the future of work, loving your possibilities. And really it's an exploration of how do we re-energize, reconnect, given our, our past 19 months or so, 
And so our conference is focused on how do we bring that back? Because I think we're itching for it, right, Melissa? I agree. I agree. I, I hear that from everyone that I talk to, you know, every client that I'm working for, they're either looking for that new creative. They were really excited about your talk today because they're they're looking for that new creative thing. They're looking for a way to merge their and integrate their personal life and their professional life. They some people are looking to actually go into a more artistic endeavor, but that's not always the most not always starting out the most lucrative environment. So they're trying to figure out how they can integrate a lot of those creative endeavors into their uh, professional life until they can do that full time. Or how can they do that? So what are some of the ways that you find outside of doing icebreakers during training and things like that? How do you interject um, creativity into your everyday work life? Well, I think that comes, I think it comes with seeing the world in a positive light and there, I see it everywhere. If it's how I decorate my office, if it's how I post something on LinkedIn, I think there's always something, well, even how to cook, what you cook for dinner. You know, my husband and I, we have a game that we play at the grocery store and it is the, well, every time I go to the store, I like to buy something new, which is a part of incorporating creativity into your life and not getting in that comfort zone where you just think this is what I'm going to buy. Same stuff as always. And so we'll turn the corner around where the meat section is and you can see all the way down all the numbers of the grocery store aisles and he'll pick a number and I walk down that aisle and I just pick something random that we've never had before and just embrace whatever it is. Google a recipe. I've tried some really weird food and I also, he he often quotes me on this too, but I always say, what if it's your new favorite? And a lot of new foods we have in our, you know, in our pantry right now all came from that. So I think it's a piece of not being, not being satisfied with just doing, um, you know, what we're comfortable with, but also a little bit, a dash of daringness of changing it up, especially Mm -hmm. during COVID life. Right. And do you see, um, so that sounds like fun because I, I do this thing with like cookbooks Oh, yeah. And so I have tons of cookbooks and sometimes I'll just go through and just pick recipes and try them. And I'm kind of stuck with eating whatever it is, unless it's completely (laughs) horrible. Um, But it's picking like one or two new new recipes a week just to break up the monotony, because especially when you have single life, you're just like eating the same things. You're like, whatever. Uh, you eat all of your favorite things. So it's nice to get really daring. And I love cooking and, you know, trying new recipes and being adventurous. I'm not sure that I would be as adventurous just yet as what you guys are doing. <laughs> but um, I do try to kind of go outside that comfort zone and find something that will um, be fun and creative and energizing. And if it turns out, it's pretty amazing because then sometimes you have that new potluck thing that you can take for <laughs> events and people go, ooh, ah, which is amazing. Uh, right now it's chicken soup. I, I mean, I found a great recipe and everybody loves it. Um, 
So as you were on this journey to, and I'm, I think this is a potentially, maybe this is a repetitive question, but as you were on this journey to find your creativity and start your creativity, um, really going in the corporate world or really going in your career, um, what are some of the things that you learned? What are oh, some yeah. of those lessons learned? Well, I think there's there's so much, you know, if I had to boil it down, it's a combination of, well, of key things like number one, enjoy life, because that's the creative part that there's, if it's a vehicle or a new car you're excited about, or, you know, buying your first house, I think the positivity and the open mindset is a key piece for being creative because yes. what if this great idea just walks into your life and then you snatch right. it because you're open, right? Yeah. So what does it feel like to be open? There's a lot of people that, I mean, that's a really different feeling. I know from a yogi perspective, what feeling open feels like. Um, and I'm not always that way. Sometimes I feel like my shoulders are tightened up by my ears and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm not really open to this new experience. But what does it feel like, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally to, to be open for you? I would say for myself, I think it's important to, well, how I notice when I'm open is if I'm listening. Mm -hmm. And then I get a little bit of spice that pops out and it's like, all right, I have this idea. Nobody may like it, but I'm going to try it anyway. And then I just step out and yeah. kind of like a little spicy spunkiness. And usually because the listening part comes first, it's usually a success because it's not just random and there's a reason for it, just like the peacock feather or the glasses. So it feels exciting and energizing, but also, you know, I'm conditioned for that. So if I were to put a hat on and think of people that may not naturally do that or find that, you know, their everyday norm, mm -hmm. I would say it's probably feels scary being open because, well, it's something new and different and even good change is hard. And yeah. so I would think that that would be the most common, but I also make a living talking and that's like the number one fear of all human beings. So I am a little bit of an oddity in that regard, but I've also, I think it's important too of what you surround yourself with in your life is very significant in who you become. And so for the past probably 10 years. And as a training development professional, I've studied leadership. I find new things I like to read. And so for 11, 10, 11 years, I've conditioned myself to do that grocery game and to, to expand and live in that uncomfortable, gritty zone. So yeah. it's just something that I've done on purpose. And so anyway, it makes me feel alive. But if it's scary, what is the, the quote? by um, Thomas Jefferson, life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yeah. Well, if you feel uncomfortable, I'd say you're in the right spot. Yeah. And for me, it's, if it scares me, I have to do it. Oh, that I is a good to, one. I have it, to. It's probably the right direction. If I'm a little bit scared now, I mean, that's, if, if it's a physical danger, like could really injure you, then maybe <laughs> that's a different the, kind of scared. That, that's a different kind of afraid. 
But if you're afraid to take that step, that might mean that that is actually the direction. At least explore it. So for me, what open feels like, well, closed feels like shoulders are up. My body feels tight. My throat, I can't find the words. Um, Last week, we talked to Felicia about having a calling. Uh, Felicia McQuaid about having a calling on our lives or a calling to go do something. And for me, what that, what being open feels like is, like you said, listening, number one. Number two, I feel relaxed. I might feel fearful because it's something new. And there's that uncomfortableness with it. But there's a groundedness. And I feel grounded in myself. I feel okay with taking that leap or that next risk and trying something new. Um, Now, I mean, that's not saying ignore your intuition or anything like that. But for me, it feels like my body has just released and my voice is clear. My voice is open. Uh, I'm able to speak clearly about what, you know, we're talking about. Um, or what I'm trying to express to the audience or what I'm trying to express to the person in front of me. Even if my voice shakes a little bit, I'm still um, able to do it. And so that's my that's my way of knowing that I'm open is because I also feel like I'm in the flow. That's very well put. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah and so. I think it's, yeah, it's a different... I, I imagine the prior steps leading up to that feeling are different for people. But I think you're you're on to something because it feels, well, it's growth, isn't it? Yes. And then when I do it, I'm like you. I get that spark and I'm like, I don't care what other people are doing. So that creativity just takes over and it creates a momentum that I'm just like, I'm going full on and I'm just going to do it. And so that creativity just creates that snowball of momentum Does that feel true to you as well? Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. Lots of of stories come to mind. In particular, I'll tell you one about that feeling that came after I used that peacock feather. It was was at an organization a couple years ago, and I pulled it out. So I had to do this practice run, right, where I had to present this presentation. I was timed. The senior leaders were there to approve it because they did it with all the presenters for this conference. So the first one was on a Monday. So I present, I practiced a lot. It went well. And then by Tuesday evening, my little brain said, "Mm, this is boring. I need something fun. I need something to grab an attention that's not just in a slew of four hours in a day. I was the very last presenter. So that's kind of rough. So I thought, what do I need to jazz it up to your question earlier? And that feeling started coming like, this is a good fit. This is going to work. And the peacock feather is what I used. So on my second (laughs) trial run with this peacock feather, a few of the people that were approvers for the presentation were not there. So I got a flying approval. Everybody's like, this is great. Go use it. So two days later at this huge exhibit, huge conference, all the leaders are there. Um, It's my turn. So I'm 30 minutes left in the presentation for the whole morning. And I had my peacock feathers in a big vase so that they wouldn't go everywhere and I could just put them in one place. And so 
I get introduced and I pull up my peacock feathers and I had assistants pre-arranged to be able to pass them out for me. And one of the senior leaders that missed that second demo walked right up to me and said, I see props. Why do we have props, Megan? <laughs> and I felt that feeling you're talking about, like, just watch this. I got this and you're going you're gonna to see. And so that's the feeling that comes out when you believe in it. You just kind of let it flow. And yeah. it was a hit. I actually had people afterwards, about 10 people came up and talked to me about it. And anyway, one of my great favorite presentations. But that flow that is, is important. Fantastic. Yeah. That is fantastic. Um, so we're going to go ahead and go to our first break or to okay. our, our commercial break. And then we'll come back. And remember, we've still got our folks on um, on Facebook Live. And so all our folks at Facebook, um, hold on. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Counterbalance Conversations with Dr. Melissa L. Strasser. Find out more about Dr. Melissa by visiting DrMelissaLStrasser.com. Now back to the show. So hi, everybody, and welcome back. If you just joined us, thanks for joining Counterbalance Conversation. We're here with Megan, and we are talking uh, about connecting to your creative geniusness. And before we left, you were talking about presentations that you've done, icebreakers, using your creativeness to really enhance your training classes, enhance um, your uh, presentations that you're doing. And um, so what, a, and we were talking about being open and feeling really, really open and how to, and getting that momentum of creativity going 
where we have that dogged determination, no matter what anyone says, we're going to keep going down this road. Um, so what, okay, so we have a lot of people who are listening who are probably going, but I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. I'm not a radio show person. You know, Melissa has talked about doing Reiki and she's done all these creative, um, you know, writing things and, and that type of thing. So what do you say to those people that say that they're not creative? Well, I would say that's a pretty common thought and I've heard it quite a bit as I've either, you know, done certain things or people will compare themselves. But the thing about it is you're creative already. It's just a matter of how do you see yourself? Are you creative with numbers? Are you as an accountant and you have a ledger that you put together? That's creativity because well, you're creating something, right? It's organized and structured, you know, or perhaps, you know, if you don't think you're creative, it's all, uh, it's about how you see yourself. And if you're creating something like that, or if you're creating a billboard that people see on the side of a road or paintings or a fashion designer creating outfits and clothes and, and new patterns, my, my point is, I think that Give yourself credit that you are a creator. Your canvas just may not be like a canvas that I would paint on. Maybe your canvas is something that I've mentioned elsewhere, like an accounting ledger, or if you're a chemical salesman, you're, you're outside creating relationships. That's creativity too. Mm -hmm. So that's my reply is to cut yourself some slack, look at yourself in a different way and think, what's my story? What am I a creator of? Because when you start seeing the world yourself that way, then you see more of it around you. And I think you'll be impressed because you already do it. You just may not have a painter talent or like if you ask me to sing, <laughs> no way. I am not a creator <laughs> of vo vocal cords, you know, so you got to find your avenue and figure out how do you create because you do just no matter yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure right now with the word creator. Um, you know, you have the social media creators, you have the Instagram creators and influencers, oh, yeah. you have the TikTok creators, you have the book writers, you, you know, everybody wrote a book in 2020. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, you know, and a lot of them have self-published and they're really great. And I, I support all of that. But yeah. it gets a little intimidating to think, okay, in 2020, I kind of held my life together, which is what some people are saying. But look what all these other folks have done. And I think saying, you know, cut yourself some slack is such a powerful statement from you and me. Um, because, you know, I didn't publish a book. I mean, in 2020, it was really hard to make those pivots and those changes. Mm -hmm. And what I think a lot of people don't see is those pivots, those changes, those restructuring of their personal lives, restructuring of their households, restructuring of their businesses, pivoting to make sure everything still worked. And some people homeschooled as well mm -hmm. as worked um, who have never been teachers before. And I think that really took a tremendous amount of creativity and they were creators of this new life that Absolutely. they were building. And so I think as we talked about 
creative geniusness. This whole year, I think for everyone was a year of geniusness. Or actually much longer than that. <laughs> 2020 months, plus. But I'm saying 2020 plus. That's a yeah. good way to say it. Um, would you agree with that? I would, you know, and I don't know how you just hit me through the heart, but you did. <laughs> you know, we've been friends for a while, but wow, because I must admit what you talk about with finding, um, you know, you have the time during COVID to figure out and, well, figure out your life and pivot. And, you know, there's so much noise. There's so many other people that have stories. Who am I? What's my story? How am I any different? All these people publish books. And I must admit, I was there and flirt in and out of the lines with that because I will tell you that I am a budding professional speaker. I'm going to night class yes. for it because it's something I love. And I, the reason I'm bringing it up is in my first coaching call with uh, Dr. Rob Pennington, if you check him out, they're still accepting applications into the program too. But his first point was my first question. What do I have to offer that hasn't already been said? I mean, there's so many public speakers, authors. I'm just white noise. Like, how do I have anything to offer? What am I worth when everyone else is already doing it? And his advice said, but you are the only one with your story. What you have to say matters. And this is a really good quote also that I wrote down that day. He said, the truth never changes. It's the lens that you see the world through. And so after that, I was much more empowered that I had something to offer that my whole career of giving back to people, learning was worth something. Because I will tell you, a lot of this taps into of figuring out who we are and COVID, work remote, all gave us plenty of time to sit and think at home about so many things. And I was picked on heavily from fifth grade to, to high school, 12th grade. And so, I know what it's like to be disconnected, to not feel like you're worth something. But I also know that you don't have to believe it and you can turn the corner and believe in your story is unique, regardless of how many other people seem to have something similar, seem to be creative. You are the only one with the creativity that you have. So what I say to that about believing in what you offer to the world, what you have matters and you deserve to share it with people in whatever format that is. If it's creativity with your family and going on vacation, or one of my favorite stories about a leader that I used to work with was she created a recipe swap with her team. All we could do during COVID, right, was go to the grocery store. Okay, yeah. so how do you get creative and yeah. bond a team? And so internationally, they shared recipes across the pond, all in email, and they went to the grocery store, the only place we could all go, and started cooking each other's recipes. You know, so it's your story and it matters. So that's, that's, that's amazing. Right through the heart because I've recently had that self-discovery. So thanks for bringing it up because it's, well, everybody needs to feel like they're valued and they matter. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's amazing to see all of these stories and that's the value of the show for me is I'm getting to hear everyone else's story. And what I'm finding is that my creativity lies in hearing and bearing witness to other people's stories. I mean, I have Look my own, that. of course. Sure. But 
I, I'm the storyteller. I love hearing other people's stories. And I love that right through the heart comment because you're talking about swapping recipes and I'm thinking, how cross-cultural is that? You know, especially if it's, you know, an international organization, especially in a time that we were in such turmoil within our own country here in the U.S. to be reaching out to a more diverse um, group of individuals and learning their culture and going to the grocery store and going, I've never heard of this, maybe this ingredient before (laughs) and finding it or even going on the search for it or ordering it online. So it comes in Um, and doing that experiment and then coming back to each other and going, Hey, that was really great. Or maybe I didn't like that as much. Do you have something else I can try? This wasn't my favorite thing or I substituted. So finding that creativity and, you know, and isn't that how it is with all of our stories though? It's your spice is a little bit different in your story. Well, my spice. look at you with analogies, being creative. Today, together. I know, I know. That's exactly I've been with, what it is. I've been with all my creative people all day today. So <laughs> they got me out of my uh, linear thinking. Um, so, you know, going forward, you know, do you have, so we're giving people like ideas here. So we're talking about cooking and we're talking about writing and we're talking about creating your life. What are some of the methods to creating an idea? That was one of the things that you said you wanted to definitely talk about is helping people create with a specific method or a couple of methods. Great question, because it's not only the what, but the how, right? How do we do this? All right. Particularly if you think I'm not creative, how do I even begin to do this? I'll let you in on a little secret. It's a lot smaller than you think. It always starts, for me at least, of where am I trying to go? Like if I'm going to a long destination, like across Texas, because I'm out of Houston. So let's say I'm going back to Lubbock. I plug it into my GPS. I'm going to Lubbock. And then the GPS fills in the space of the roads I take to get there. That space between Houston and Lubbock is my gap. So that's what I'm figuring out is how to get to Lubbock. And so it always starts with, okay, what are you trying to do at the end? Where are you at? And then fill the gap. So it's a common practice in training. Actually, it's frequent in all kinds of training development. Mm -hmm. It always comes down to what does the supervisor need out of their employee in the future? Where is the employee now? And what's the gap? How do we fill that? And so I'll give you some examples. I was leading a servant leadership team a couple of years ago. And I wanted my people, my team of eight people, I wanted them to recognize how much small changes were impacting the company. It had been eight months. We'd had a ton of roadblocks. Morale was decreasing. And I thought, all right, I need them to understand the future. The point we're going to is you understand the impact that you're making. Currently, we're struggling. People are kind of giving out. They're getting busier. And so I thought, what do I fill the gap with? So I brought eight wrapped presents to the next staff meeting because, and I'll tell you how I came up with the idea. It was actually a birthday card my mom gave my husband. And on the front of it was two bananas, right? Inspiration comes from everywhere when you are open to it. So the birthday card said, 
what difference does a day make? A lot to a banana. And so there was a regular banana and a, you know, how they, they get so uh, ripened over one day. <laughs> right. And so for the whole, I thought, okay, so I'm trying to prove to them that small things matter. So how do I make them feel that? So when I brought the, I wrapped eight bananas in eight boxes with Christmas paper <laughs> during July, I think it was, I took them to the office and everybody was pumped. They saw the stack of presents on my desk. Everybody came in around the big conference table. I passed them out and I said, okay, everybody open the present. I said, today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. So please open your gift. So they open it and they all pull out this banana and they're like, this is so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, look, and actually I brought one today. So if you can't see me, I'm holding up a banana, but it matters what they did for the small changes. So I told them, I said, what difference does one day make to us? Not a lot, but to a banana, to an audience that is trying to learn and grasp servant leadership, small changes mean a lot. So you make a lot of differences, even if you don't feel it, other people do. And so as you can see in that example, the end result is what I wanted them to feel it, recognize it, where we were at was the struggle point. And then the gap is where you get the creative openness. How do you get them to think that? That's where the peacock feather came out, trying to get them to see big picture. Uh, I've used another one about, I I think you were on that call. Um, It was a a pretty colorful sandal that I used at a global Mm -hmm. town hall. And I was in charge, again, like they put me at the end of all these presentations. It must be like written on my head, like put me, I'll jazz you up. Anyway, so I'm at the end of a two-hour town hall. Globally, there's all these people on there. So you have to take into consideration culture perspectives and what will make sense. What's a commonality saying in the U.S. that may not translate? Yeah. So I had three points. I was actually washing dishes, and I thought, what do I want them to know? Right? That's the end goal. I want them to remember my three points after two hours of talking. My current situation is they don't know it. So I need to fill the gap of make it sticky. So I was, uh, I started running my bath water, walked into my closet and I thought, well, my shoes haven't seen the day- light of day in about a year because of COVID. So I pulled out one and I actually used three pieces and parts of that shoe in my presentation, held it up and explained my three pieces. And I had so many people commenting on it to me on the side, but that was my goal to make it sticky. Yeah. So Sorry, that's a long story, but two different examples. It's all about that gap. Yeah, I remember that because we all were like, why is Megan holding her shoe? (laughs) Yeah, it was all (laughs) clean. And then people started like lifting their own foot in this like video camera, 45 people. People are lifting their own shoes. I saw oranges. I mean, yeah, they were like, yeah, if I remember right, we had some uh, individuals with leopard print. That that was leopard print tennis shoes or like little sneakers or something and some tennis shoes. And then, you know, you had the people that are working from home. They're like, I haven't worn shoes in a year. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it was great. The grocery store, which um, it was really kind of it really brought people together, I think, because it brings in that commonality a lot Mm -hmm. of times. So creativity not only kind of opens their mind and in my experience, it really brings people together because once they get past the fact of, you know, this is kind of goofy and they accept that it's a little goofy, they go, oh, well, 
my sneaker has leopard print or my, which that's the one I remember because uh-huh. there was, I had a pair. That's why I remember <laughs> that one. And Melissa I was, like, was over there oh. waving her feet. <laughs> I was. I was the one who had not worn shoes in a year. Um, yogi self. And uh, I was like, oh, I have those shoes. So then I was like, oh, that person has like, is a very serious person. But then she holds up her leopard shoes. And I was like, well, maybe she's not as serious as I thought. And so it kind of opens. So creativity, a lot of times in my experience, will open that door to allow people to be more authentic, more Mm -hmm. open, more conversational with each other. The masks start to fall off. I mean, do you agree with that? I do. Do you see that everywhere? I do. And particularly, I think that the the corporate world or, you know, if you're a consultant, I think there's typically a stigma that you have to portray about professionalism and it has to be a certain way, what our culture looks like based on movies or TV shows. And so I think we get into this mindset of we have to be a certain way and that gets away from being yourself. So when you have these goofy feathers and bananas and people are laughing, that guard kind of goes down and that's when you get the connection points. I absolutely agree. And I mean, some of the best trainings that I've ever gone to and best meetings and conferences, the things that I remember are the people that have that talent for humor and that talent for making it sticky, like you're talking about. And that's a true talent because not everyone can pull off humor in front of an audience because it'll fall flat and then you have to figure out how to, uh, <laughs> how to fix it. Um, but if you have that extraordinary talent to make it sticky through humor or something memorable, maybe it's just you hand something out to the audience or you have a graphic behind you, um, something that is going to drive that point home in a more creative way. Absolutely. And I think that, well, as I started preparing for this lovely radio broadcast, my first one ever, I thought, you know, I think there's a trend in what I've always done. And I think that it also, it's a lot of hands-on something. So if it's a balloon in a classroom, when I, you know, or if it's like, I've told you the feather, the banana. So it's not just the only way to do it. So I want to make that known. That's just my style. That's just what kind of oozes out of me. And so if that's not your style, all I can say is be true to yourself. And if you want to try it in a different way and you're creative differently, rock and roll. And it doesn't have to be the the jazzy balloons and everything because it doesn't fit everybody. Yeah. I mean, from so you have this great jazzy balloons and, you know, feathers and things. My superpower in the classroom is compassion. Oh, that's what makes it more. um, So I find ways of you know, getting people to engage with others using their story and being compassionate with each other in the classroom and really listening. I don't have the humor gene. I mean, I do occasionally, but I can't do it on cue um, <laughs> like some people can. Um, so that's my way of being creative. My way of being creative is listening and connecting their story to whatever we're listening, mm-hmm. uh, whatever we're learning, or making sure that I know what's happening if it's a small group. I mean, obviously you can't do this in a larger group, but in the smaller groups, it's 
really nice to have that real intimate conversation about things that are happening in their life. Because a lot of times, times people come in those rooms uh, for training and they are, or even coaching with my coaching, my consulting uh, side of things, they'll show up and you don't know what their life has been like that morning when they show up. So sometimes it's the compassion and sometimes it's the humor that Mm -hmm. is needed. And I think finding, you know, what your superpower is can contribute to that creativity as well. Absolutely. So we have, we have about two more minutes to close. So um, just really quickly, uh, what do you have that you would like for them to take away that kind of some sticky, quick, sticky points? Sure. Well, I would say in the words of my dad, something he told me a long time ago, and it was a sticky note on my quote wall for a long time. People who create will always be in demand. And you are a creator. So just find your niche, find how you create and go be a good one. Mm-hmm. That's my first thing. Second thing is, if you ever want to connect or if you feel like you have some creative ideas, you'd like to bounce them off, you know, since you've listened today, feel free to connect with me. My website is meganbilnoski.com. I'm always open to speaking and really just connecting with people and their great creative selves. And the last thing is, don't forget to pay it forward in the world. Find a way to give back. I do this in in the Association for Talent Development for ATD Houston. And our conference in October is a big way that I'm paying it forward to give back to other people that helped me succeed. So be creative, own who you are, and go find a way to pay it forward in the world. Because I guarantee you, you've had a lot of people support you as well. Well, thank you so much, Megan. And I agree with you 100%. And thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I've enjoyed having you. And um, if you would like to connect with me, I'm at Counterbalance Coach at both Instagram and Facebook. You can also reach me at uh, counterbalancecoach at gmail.com uh, or my website is drmelissaelstrasser.com. And be sure to join us next week for a conversation with uh, one of our veterans. And uh, he'll be talking about Barefoot 22 and some things that um, he's doing here in the local community that uh, really hits home globally. So I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Counterbalance Conversations. Be sure to join your host, Dr. Melissa L. Strasser, for another inspiring program next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next program, do something that stands out this week. Make a change. Be the counterbalance.